0: Another day, another story about Democrats panicking over the success of Donald Trump and the fact that he is often correct. And once again, the media is trying to cover for them. In today's lead story, Democrats fear Trump's new 2020 strategy is working. Second verse, same as the first, they say. The president and his team aren't hiding their plans to make Beijing the main villain in America's fight against the pandemic. The president and his team, their plan? First of all, Donald Trump has railed on China for over a decade, for a very, very long time. I got articles. I brought the receipts. But yes, the media is now trying to pretend like this is a new strategy. Okay, fine. Maybe you can claim it's a new strategy when it, when dealing with the coronavirus, but come on. It's not new that Donald Trump is criticizing China simply because the subject matter has changed, doesn't change his strategy. It's literally what Donald Trump campaigned on in 2016. There are articles and interviews going back to, to 2011 with Donald Trump ragging on China. But the media is desperate. We really do get a glimpse of how Democrats and media, and media activists overlap in their view of the world. Wired wrote an article saying that the right-wing stunt to criticize the World Health Organization is working, and maybe Trump wasn't wrong. Let me just rephrase that for you. Trump was right about China. Trump was right about the World Health Organization. Is that so hard? It's not a pro-conservative position to point out facts. So let's do this. I wanna show you how the media has consistently tried to cover for the Democrats. It's quite annoying. And I don't mean every single person in the media. But let's get started with exactly what the accusations are now against Donald Trump and what Democrats are feeling considering, once again, Donald Trump was right. Now, I want to start by saying a lot of people keep saying, oh, Tim, you make all these videos pointing out Trump was right. That must mean you support him. No, it doesn't. It means he was right. What else do you want? A cookie? Take the win and let's move on. The Daily Beast. I I read you the headline already. So let's, let's jump to the story. They say President Donald Trump and his allies are leaning heavily into a new 2020 strategy tying Democrats and their presumptive presidential nominee, Joe Biden, not just to China, but to its role in spreading the coronavirus. Democrats are increasingly worried the strategy will work. Now, before we read on, head over to TimCast.com donate if you'd like to support my work. There's several ways you can help out. But the best thing you can do is just share this video. YouTube suppresses content like mine, propping up mainstream media that often give you this narrative as, as you know, essentially misleading you, claiming that this is a new strategy for Trump. No, it's part of the same old strategy he used before. And it's probably because he really believes the stuff. Also, don't forget to subscribe, hit the like button, hit the notification bell if you want to get more videos like this. But let's keep reading. The Daily Beast says the Trump re-election campaign released a new ad this week going after Biden over his opposition to restrictions on travel from China designed to control the spread of the coronavirus outbreak. That was followed with a fundraising solicitation on Saturday that hammered home the point, quote, I am tough on China and sleepy Joe Biden is weak on China. It declared Trump is correct here. I have the receipts. I will prove it to you, even though the media is trying to protect Biden over his failures. You know, this is what happens. Trump says, hey, here's a problem. This thing happening with China. And the media says, no, there's no problem here. Vox.com, the left wing site said that the coronavirus would not be a pandemic after Trump banned travel from China. And then we saw Joe Biden call Trump xenophobic and said a travel ban wouldn't work. Yes, I'm going to show you the tweets. And now as we move forward, The fact checking organizations are trying to play it up like Joe Biden never actually said that. Eh, We'll prove him wrong. Inside the campaign, the strategy is simple. Make China the villain of a global pandemic that has complicated well-laid electoral plans and sparked growing criticism of the president. No, most people approve of the president's job on the coronavirus. Now it's gone down a little bit. So it's now a slightly more, uh, slightly more than half of people, according to the RCP average, disapprove of the president's dealings with the coronavirus. But he's been going back and forth, meaning there are a lot of people who aren't criticizing him. Quote, China's among, uh, China's among many weaknesses. But when people learn about Biden's attack on the president's tra- China travel ban, his other weak positions on China and his conflict with Hunter Biden's business deal with China, voters are horrified. John McLaughlin, a Trump pollster, told the Daily Beast on Friday. Other Trump 2020 officials said that the campaign had always intended to hammer Biden on China until the election in November. And the coronavirus angle was merely another way to go after the Bidens and China simultaneously. Yes, because there's a big story about Joe Biden's son Hunter getting a big deal from the Chinese government. In one sense, it's simply an extension of Trump's uh, team Trump's months long strategy to tie Biden to a country increasingly viewed with suspicion by American voters. The campaign and the Republican National Committee have been hammering Biden for months over his young, youngest son Hunter's past business dealings with China. But the outbreak of the novel coronavirus, which originated in the Chinese city of Wuhan, has made the country a far more potent political villain. And the massive disruptions in daily life caused by the virus virtually guarantee that China will remain in the headlines and on the minds of American voters for months as election day approaches. Polls already indicate that Americans of both parties overwhelmingly blame China for the virus's initial spread. Could it be that in 2011, when Donald Trump was calling out China, he was right? Is, that, is, it, is, it, is, is it just that simple? Not that it's some nefarious plot to malign the poor country of China, but that Trump was right, calling them out and calling out the fact that the Democrats were trying to move more jobs overseas. I got the receipts. I'm going to show you. Just wait for it. I want to get through the story. But yes, they were. It's a fact. Trump shut down the Trans-Pacific Partnership, whose goal was to allow American companies to benefit, they say, from cheap foreign labor. Trump shut it down. Now we can see amidst this crisis, the problem with having our manufacturings overseas How insane was it to think we could send our medicine production and medical supplies production to China? And then when this happens, they blame Trump for it. They say for a Trump campaign, that's a potential political goldmine. China was an effective wedge issue for Trump in 2016, said one Republican strategist close to the campaign. Now that it's at the top of everyone's mind and Biden has a long record of being weak on China, just imagine how much more effective it will be in 2020. The new tactic, they say, from Trump has not gone unnoticed by Democrats who fear that it may be the type of opening that a a cynical president could effectively use. Even one who has made a point of going soft on China's leader, Xi Jinping, whom Trump routinely praises as an incredible guy who's doing a great job handling the virus. I love how they throw that in. Because out of all the things Trump has ever said about China, a handful have been good. Now, presumably that's when Trump is negotiating with them. But come on, you think Trump actually likes China? The reality is simple. These Democrats are, are viewing the world through a lens that no matter what Trump says, he's wrong. And if you have that assumption from the start, you'll think China must not really be that bad. It's just Trump maligning them. When in reality, Trump is succeeding because he's been right. You don't have to support the guy. You don't have to agree with his, politi- his policies on domestic issues. But when he called out China, he was right. What more do you want? It's a fact. Navigator Research. A progressive polling outlet that has taken the lead for the party in public opinion surveying around the virus included an alarm bell nugget in its Friday dispatch, warning, the item read. Trump's China rhetoric may be resonating and gaining traction. As evidence, the firm noted that 43% of respondents in its survey said, China bears more responsibility than the federal government for the way the coronavirus has spread in the U.S. Something I have said. I don't even blame, look, I think Bill de Blasio deserves some blame, Andrew Cuomo, and yes, even Donald Trump to varying degrees. But that's like 2% of the blame to go around between the three of them, when in reality, China deserves most of the blame. The World Health Organization gave us bogus information they sourced from China, and it slowed our response. So yeah, let's blame China. Quote, a lot of times people on the left tend to have a knee-jerk reaction to Trump's racism and xenophobia that disallows them from taking it as seriously as a messaging tactic as it is, said Ian Sims, a top official at Navigator. The public is pretty anti-China right now. And I think there is validity to the idea that they've been less than transparent and hid information on the virus. And Trump is seizing on that. We can't just let Trump's lies be the only thing out there. Wait, you just said, can you believe this? That there's evidence, there's reason to believe that China was withholding information. But when Trump calls it out, Trump's lying. You see how broken their brains are. It's mind numbing to me. Take a look at this from Yahoo News. Wuhan is open and infections are down, but China's coronavirus numbers can't be trusted. So who's lying? You, the media, Trump? I honestly don't know any. But I'll tell you what. We're seeing the problem. We're seeing the infections. All signs point to Wuhan. China lied, period. How do you, How? I, I don't, look, man, I'm left speechless by this. They say there's real reason to believe it's true, but we can't let Trump's lies persist. But Trump was right. You just said there's reason to believe he's right. Check this out. Trump's China bashing ad is more ridiculous than you thought, writes the Washington Post. Why? Because he was saying that Joe Biden was soft on China. That's the ad. That's what that's what the uh, the Daily Beast was complaining about. All right, here you go. Joe Biden tweeted this on the 12th of March. A wall will not stop the coronavirus. Banning all travel from Europe or any other part of the world will not stop it. This disease could impact every nation and any person on the planet, and we need a plan to combat it. Joe Biden fell into the no matter what Trump does, he's, he's wrong trap. The orange man bad trap. Donald Trump said let's ban travel from China in January. Joe Biden came out March 12th saying banning travel from any other part of the world will not stop it. Dr. Fauci said otherwise. And sure enough, Joe Biden flipped and later came out and said he supports the travel ban and never called it xenophobic. What a lie. You know what, man? They call Trump a liar all the time, but the media and the Democrats lie all the time. I'm not going to sit here and pretend Trump is telling the truth. I don't know. He was right in terms of his rhetoric on China. That's not about lying. It's about him saying, hey, China's doing these things. That's bad. Well, that was true. How about this? Joe Biden tweeted, we are in the midst. Uh, uh, this, is, this is a day after Trump's China travel ban. We are in the midst of a crisis with the coronavirus. We need to lead the way with science, not Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, and fear mongering. He is the worst possible person to lead our country through a global health emergency. Joe Biden tweeted that. Most of you probably know this already, but let me give you the context. I'm building up to something. He then tweeted just over a month later that banning travel from anywhere in the world won't stop it. So I think we know Joe Biden opposed Donald Trump's travel ban. And what do we get from PolitiFact? Fact checking Donald Trump, who said, speaking of his restriction on travel from China, quote, I had Joe Biden calling me xenophobic. He called me a racist because of the fact that he felt it was a racist thing to stop people from China coming in they say it's mostly false. Why? Well, we don't know what Joe Biden was referring to, they say. So you mean to tell me that Joe Biden, who came out publicly saying a travel ban won't work to anywhere in the world, and that a day after Trump's travel ban from China, he said Trump was, has, has a history of xenophobia, that he wasn't referring to Trump's travel ban. Fine, make assumptions, but mostly false is absurd. You can maybe say mostly true or just political rhetoric. That's what the media tends to do. Check out this, uh, this, this story. This is this absolutely fascinating tweet from Wired. Wired tweeted just this morning, a right wing stunt to pin the blame on, of, for COVID-19 on the World Health Organization actually contains a useful notion. There is at least some reason to suspect that the World Health Organization knowingly and consequentially misled us. Are you kidding me? A right wing stunt? This is the paranoid delusional reality these people live in. It's, 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 it's got me thinking, if it's a right wing stunt to accurately, correctly point out that the World Health Organization was sharing disinformation and misleading us, then what does left and right really mean anymore? Some people have tried to claim that I'm right wing. They do it all the time or they say that I'm sec- I must be secretly a Trump supporter for calling out the Democrats all the time. Perhaps it's because I'm calling out facts or perhaps it's because, yes, I absolutely am biased and I see the Democrats as constantly doing these stupid things. It is a fact Donald Trump has called out China. It is a fact. The World Health Organization was spreading misinformation, hurting us. Those are not right wing policy positions. They're just facts. Pointing them out doesn't make anyone left or right. Well, according to Wired, if you do, you're right wing. They write this. Trump isn't wrong about investigating the World Health Organization. Can't you just write Trump is right about investigating the World Health Organization, Wired? You know, I love how they frame everything a right-wing stunt to pin the blame of COVID-19. Yeah, we read that. That's their subhead. They say, this week, the pre- uh, this week, President Trump expanded his arsenal for dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. He went from a blame China, not me strategy, to a blame China and the World Health Organization, not me strategy. Officials at the World Health Organization, Trump said at a press conference, are very biased towards China. Just look at how in the early weeks of the outbreak, they said there's no, said there's no big deal, there's no problem, there's nothing. So Trump will be looking into whether to freeze U.S. funding for the World Health Organization. Republican Senator Rick Scott of Florida is on board. A week before Trump's press conference, he called for hearings into the World Health Organization performance. The World Health Organization, Scott says, lied to us. It was intentional. People are dying because of it. So as soon as Congress is back in session, there should be a hearing along with a full investigation to review whether American taxpayers should continue to spend millions of dollars every year to fund an organization that willfully parroted propaganda from the Chinese Communist Party. Yes, these are facts. Donald Trump was pointing out a fact. We've all seen the video of the Hong Kong reporter asking the World Health Organization scientists about Taiwanese inclusion because many countries want to recognize Taiwan as an independent nation. And the World Health Organization guy pretended like the the call was breaking up. And then when asked again, he hung up came back and then referred to Taiwan as China. So we understand where their allegiances lie, or at the very least, you can say they're, not tr- they're trying to stay out of any political fights, but they've taken it upon themselves to side with China. When spreading misinformation, January 15th, saying that, that China found no human human transmission, it slowed down everything. I'm not going to blame Trump for a virus, but if China knew and gave us bogus information and the World Health Organization repeated that, then Trump is right. I love the idea that it's some kind of new strategy for Donald Trump. Check out this story from April 27th, 2011. Donald Trump blames China for fact that much of his gear is made in China. Trump slams China for stealing US jobs, but his brand items are made there. This is another thing we see in the media, a misunderstanding or or this is potentially willful misrepresentation or a misunderstanding of how things function. Donald Trump owns many companies. Some of the products from his companies are made in China. This makes Trump very angry. The problem he pointed out was that it's impossible for his his companies to compete because of cheap Chinese labor. So his companies would go under completely unless he played the same game. He got sick and tired of it, and he decided to run for president. One of the first things he did when he became president was he shut down the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which would have opened the door for more outsourcing of US labor to foreign markets. Trump clearly being upset by this and calling it out and then doing something about it. It's not an issue of whether you like his character. It's not an issue of whether you like conservative positions. It's a fact that Trump was right. Or at the very least, Trump called something out and he held himself to it. This is funny because they say Trump, uh, the real estate and casino mogul, who was considered a run for the Republican presidential nomination, who is considering blamed China for the fact that Trump ties, Trump cufflinks, and even Trump teddy bears come with a made in China label. The answer is very simple because of the fact that China so manipulates their currency It makes it almost impossible for American companies to compete. You see it with all of these items you're talking about. You also see it with building products, with building products. If it continues this way, America won't have any jobs, jobs, except for taking care of the elderly. Asked if he ever looked at having his Trump products manufactured in the US, Trump said, always do. There are very few companies that do it because they can't compete with the manipulation. Trump has made the flow of US jobs overseas, especially to China, as much a centerpiece of his exploratory campaign for president as his questions about whether Obama was born in America, saying the problem with our country is that we don't make anything anymore. Now, you can absolutely rag on Donald Trump for the things he said about, you know, the birtherism or whatever you want, whatever you want to say. I'm just trying to point out that Trump's rhetoric on China is not new. He has repeatedly called it out. And I look at this timeline and I'm like, why that makes a lot of sense. Donald Trump was mad that his companies were making products in China. And he and it's it's unfortunate fact that if he moved over to United States production, he'd probably fault his company wouldn't do as well because other companies can sell a tie for 10 bucks. He didn't sell it for 20 because of American labor. Some people wouldn't want to pay it. His ties would do worse. His company would fail. So he decided to do well, instead of just sacrificing your company, he decided to run for president and then went straight for the TPP. Why Trump killed the TPP and why it matters to you. This is the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Uh, The the idea was that if everyone brought down taxes on exported goods, US companies would pay less for imports while benefiting from cheaper labor overseas. According to research by the Peterson Institute, the deal would have increased US exports by $123 billion using back of the envelope math. Obama's White House had estimated an increase of 650,000 jobs. Depending on who you're asking, because there's varying, there's both sides of this. They say the TPP would have made better jobs for us. Trump says otherwise. Trump didn't want American jobs going overseas. He wanted those jobs to stay here. So he crushed the TPP. Bernie Sanders also wanted to do the exact same thing. 10 times Trump attacked China and its trade relations with the US from November 9th, 2017. Trump has a record of attacking China in unconventional ways. I'm not going to go through the whole list. You get the point. Trump has repeatedly done this. NBC from April 10th just a couple days ago Trump administration seeks ban on China telecom in u.s citing unacceptable national security risks the Department of Justice along with other federal agencies have requested that the Federal Communications Commission terminate China telecom's authorization to operate in the U.S we have seen increasing uh, uh, increasingly from the federal government moves made against Chinese operatives in the u.s I don't mean necessarily spies I mean companies academics, Many professors, Americans who were in on the take, lying about receiving money from the Chinese government. Donald Trump is taking action against China. Anything going on right now is not new. Trump's campaign ads against Joe Biden are not crazy to say that Joe Biden has been weak on China because Joe Biden has been, probably because as a part of the Obama administration, he wanted a bunch of things with China that Trump shot down, notably the TPP. Obama was for it, argued to be a great thing. Joe Biden is a remnant of the Obama administration, and certainly, I would imagine, disagrees with Trump on shutting it down. So yes, Joe Biden has a very favorable approach to China. Donald Trump, not so much. Trump said in 2017, the US will be on a level playing field with China. It's, it's you know, Trump talks about it so much, he says, he's got that, there's that meme, China. Everybody knows the meme, they joke about it all the time. And now we come to April 1st. After attacking Trump's coronavirus-related China travel ban as xenophobic, Dems and media have changed tune. This is a repeating process. It's like the movie Groundhog Day or Edge of Tomorrow, whichever one you prefer, where the day keeps repeating itself. Donald Trump says something. He's proven right. The media then follows up after the fact because they have no choice. Not always. But there, there's several things that happen all the time. Trump called out problems with immigration. Trump called out problems with trade with China. Even Bernie Sanders did. Bernie Sanders tried flip-flopping to win the nomination. It's not going to work. It didn't work. But Donald Trump then being proven right, the media has to always come up with a counter narrative. The joke is, if Trump came out in favor of oxygen, they'd all hold their breaths. And I believe that's not even necessarily a joke. Trump comes out in favor of a treatment that may help COVID patients, and the media goes nuts to try and discredit him. Right now, we've got more important things to worry about. Uh, Trump has declared major disaster in all 50 states at once. For the first time in history, we have had a disaster in all 50 states. Yet to, you know, for whatever, look, I get it. We're, we're in a, a political election. We're, we're, we're in a presidential election season. So I do think we have more important things to worry about. Trump's focus seems to be on what's the cause of the problem and why Joe Biden would be, would be bad for this country. But what the Democrats have right now is that Trump is bad. I don't think that messaging is going to work you know, we have bigger problems. Trump's campaigning off the fact that he's working on a solution to the problem and it's working very well. Joe Biden having no position in office can't really do anything. So all he can do is complain about the president and people seem to like what the president is doing. It's not just regular people. California governor praises Trump's efforts to help state amid coronavirus crisis. Governor Gavin Newsom of California on CNN praised Donald Trump saying that he would be lying if he didn't tell you that everything Trump has been able to do, he has done. Every request they made that was w- w- was within his power, he solved. So let me let me, let me tell you, let, let let me address some political bickering as I've as I've alluded to a little bit. You know what, man? I wonder why it is I often on this channel. Look, 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 let me tell you something. I make like fifteen videos every day. I've got three hours and forty minutes of content Monday through Friday, and an hour and forty minutes on Saturday and Sunday. I do more than just this one segment. If this is the only channel you're watching, you're missing out on a ton of other content I do, but hey, that's your choice. I've got youtube.com slash TimCastNews, which is more cultural and political. I've got TimCast IRL, which is the podcast I host with my buddy Adam. And I have this channel, which predominantly focuses on high-profile big news stories, which tends to be politics, considering we're entering, entering an election season. And that's kind of where things have fallen in terms of the culture war. So if you come here, you'll see I often will talk about Democrats but I'm pretty sure I'm, I think I'm right. I think I have a focus. I think I'm going to be talking about the Democrats and what they're doing. But right now, when it comes to the 2020 election, what do we have? Trump has many faults. He's kind of an arrogant narcissist in many ways. He's not that bad. He's not the worst person in the world. If you actually look at personal anecdotes, people seem to really like the guy, especially working for him. He is not the end of the world. He's got some attitude problems for sure, but he was right about China. He was right about many other other issues and he's doing what he can do. Is he doing a perfect job? No, he's not. Is he doing the best job? No, he isn't. Is he better than literally anyone else? That's going to be up to whether or not you have someone else to compare him to, but he's certainly not as bad as the media makes him out to be because they're trying to chase after, after clicks. What's also true is that the Democrats have consistently gone after scandals instead of policies. When the moderates in 2018 ran in Trump districts, they won. But they immediately then flipped and went for impeaching the president. It's almost like they didn't actually want to campaign for anything. It was a lie to trick people so they'd get elected and then impeach Donald Trump, which they did and failed to convict on. It was a waste of our time. That's a fact. I tried doing a Google search the other day saying, maybe there's something I can say, like the Democrats are working on this, that, or otherwise. They're not. Pelosi and Schiff oversight committees Schumer wants to have a czar for coronavirus, even though we already have coronavirus oversight. And that's all they seem to be doing. And right now they're complaining about Trump's position on China, a position he's held for a decade or longer, as if it's a new strategy to criticize Donald Trump. They've offered us nothing. And it's going to keep happening that way as far as I can tell. But I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm looking. I just don't see it. I'll leave it there. I don't, look, I, I can tell you Trump was right because it's the fact that he is. But I'll tell you what, during Occupy Wall Street, when I pointed out a bunch of uncomfortable truths, conservatives would rag on me and accuse me of being a lefty. I get emails about it to this day. And now that we're seeing a news cycle that lies and defends the president, sure enough, these people don't like it when I call it out. During Occupy Wall Street, the media lied all the time about the activists. And I didn't. I told the truth and the activists really liked it. While today, many of these same activists are being propped up and defended by the media to go after Donald Trump, And they don't like that I'm telling the truth about that either. I fully expect that as soon as Donald Trump is out of office, maybe a Democrat comes in, the media starts lying. I'm going to be calling out the media for lying. And sure enough, we're going to see people flip back and forth over whether or not they like what I have to say. That's just the way it is. I'll see you all at 6 p.m. YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. Uh, Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you there. By now, you may have heard. That a woman named Tara Reid has accused Joe Biden of sexual assault. The accusation goes back to 1993. So it's about 27 years old. But she did recently file a criminal complaint. However, it's well beyond the statute of limitations. I'm not a big fan of these 30-year-old allegations. However, the rules were set by Biden and the Democrats and people in media about believing women and about regardless of whether or not this is criminal. They said this of Brett Kavanaugh. He's up for a job interview and we, and we should know about his past. So when Joe Biden faces these same allegations, what do you think the media does? Well, there's no better explanation than this tweet from Brad Parscale. The Washington Post, Christine Blasey Ford, 100 plus stories. The New York Times, Christine Blasey Ford, 90 plus stories. MSNBC, Christine Blasey Ford, 100 plus stories. Tara Reid, each of these outlets, zero stories. Well, I have good news for everybody. Good news. New York Times has finally published their story. Now we're going to get to the bottom of these allegations against Joe Biden, who, as we all know, exhibits a pattern of non-consensually touching, groping and kissing women. He's had to apologize for it before. So certainly with all of the evidence stacked up against Biden, we are going to see a slam dunk expose calling out this creepy old lecherous man. Yeah, no, of course not. We're going to see a puff piece defense of Joe Biden, and it is the most insane I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually impressed. I, I didn't think the New York Times could sink this low, but I'll tell you what, you know why I love it? I love it because now the bias is so obvious, it cannot be denied. And I hope all you Bernie Sanders fans out there, all you progressive leftists, get on the boat, get on the, get on the fake news train. The New York Times is fake news and they are protecting Joe Biden. Nobody likes this guy. The only people who like him are weird establishment Corporate Democrat types, regular American Democrats don't care about him or Bernie. Progressive like populists, regular Americans who are active in politics like Bernie Sanders on the left and the people on the right like Trump. Who likes Joe Biden? It doesn't matter if you like him or not, but that, that, that's the point I'm trying to make right here. We should all come together and point out the fake news of the New York Times because I'll tell you what, man, I was impressed. Yeah, I can't even begin to tell you how incredible this New York Times dis disgusting pieces. Look, man, I'm no fan of 30 year old allegations, but this is a whole new level of, I can't swear, but I really want to. Examining Tara Reed's sexual assault allegation against Joe Biden. First, let's talk about framing, examining it. Instead of reporting the news, the New York Times, Tara Reed files criminal complaint against Joe Biden for sexual assault. They say, examining it. Mm. Now for the, uh, the subhead. Ms. Reid, a former Senate aide, has accused Mr. Biden of assaulting her in 1993 and says she told others about it. A Biden spokesman said the allegation is false and former Senate office staff members do not recall such an incident. Now, New York Times, let's just go right through this. Oh, I, I hate the media so much. Let's go right through this. First of all, why would the New York Times add that last bit about office staff members not recalling an incident when the story that Tara Reed has told in uh, in no way includes other staff members. It seems like a non sequitur has nothing to do with the story. Ah, but it casts doubt. There you go, right off the bat, The New York Times says we're examining these allegations because you know we're all about the facts already casting doubt. They then add witness a witness statement essentially that has nothing to do with the allegations she made. Tara Reed says that she was bringing a bag to Biden or something. He pushed her up against the wall. he sexually assaulted her. Nobody else was there. So it's not relevant if you're going to bring up someone else saying, I don't remember anything like that. However, you know, the New York Times does say that other people who know Tara said she told them this story at the time. I remember them saying the same thing about Brett Kavanaugh. See, they reported that when it was Brett Kavanaugh. When it's when it's Joe Biden, they report the inverse. Tons of people Christine Blasey Ford is the Brett Kavanaugh accuser. And the people she claimed her witnesses said they had no idea what she was talking about, but that was good enough for the New York Times. Now you have this woman who actually has uh, her, 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 her friends and family members saying, oh, she told us about this. And the New York Times says, well, we're not going to put that in. We're going to include randomly staff members who had nothing to do with the story. Oh, I love it. But wait, wait till you get to the part where they actually uh, insinuate she's going to go to j- like, it's a false accusation she can go to jail for. This is the best. I love it. Oh, man, I love it. The New York Times writes, Le- oh, let, me, let me just tell you who wrote this. It's Lisa Lehrer and Sydney Ember. Great journalism. Excellent. I love how you're defending an abuser like Joe Biden, a former Senate aide who last year accused Joseph Biden of inappropriate touching has made an allegation of sexual assault against the former vice president, the Democratic Party's presumptive presidential nominee this fall. The former aide, Tara Reid, who briefly worked as a staff assistant in Mr. Biden's Senate office, told the New York Times that in 1993, Mr. Biden pinned her to a wall in a Senate building, reached under her clothing, and you can read it, but I'll keep the, the, at least the, 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 the audio portion family-friendly, assaulted her. A friend said that Ms. Reed told her the details of the allegation at the time. Another friend and a brother of Ms. Reed said she told them over the years about a traumatic sexual incident involving Mr. Biden. Gee, why wasn't that in your subhead? The story doesn't include office staff in the room with them when it happened. So why would they know anything about it? Of course they wouldn't recall. Oh, you're casting doubt on an accusation. Certainly we should believe all women, right, Joe? Joe's the one who said we should do it a spokesman for Mr. Biden said the allegation was false. In interviews, several people who worked in the Senate office with Miss Reed said they did not recall any talk of such an incident or similar behavior by Mr. Biden toward any uh, toward her or any uh, any woman. Is that a joke? That's the statement you're going to run with? There's a whole website dedicated to showing all of the women that Joe Biden has creepily groped. The Daily Show with Jon Stewart and Samantha Bee did a segment called The Audacity of Grope, mocking Joe Biden for groping women. He had to apologize for it. You're not gonna put, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, it's not gonna work, New York Times. Welcome to the internet. Here we go. Two office interns who worked directly with Miss Reed said they were unaware of the allegation or any treatment that troubled her. Last year, Miss Reed and se- seven other women <laughs> came forward to accuse Biden of kissing, hugging, or touching them in ways that made them feel uncomfortable. Miss Reed told the New York Times then, Mr. Biden had publicly stroked her neck, wrapped his fingers in her hair and touched her in ways that made her uncomfortable. Soon after Ms. Reid made the new allegation in a podcast interview released on March 25th, the Times began reporting on her account and seeking corroboration through interviews, documents and other sources. Now, here's the part that I love. Remember when I showed you how Brad Parscale was calling out all of these outlets for not talking about her, but going absolutely insane over Brett Kavanaugh? The New York Times is now trying to defend themselves against this allegation. Well, soon after she did this, we did start investigating. Oh, shut up, you pathetic scumbags. The Times interviewed Ms. Reid on multiple days over hours, as well as those she told about Mr. Biden's behavior and other friends. The Times also interviewed lawyers who spoke to Ms. Reed about her allegation. Nearly two dozen people who worked with Mr. Biden during the early 1990s, including many who worked with Ms. Reid and the other seven women who criticized Mr. Biden last year to discuss their experiences with him. Here's, here's the best part. No other allegation about sexual assault surfaced in the course of reporting, nor did any former Biden staff members corroborate any details of Ms. Reed's allegation. The Times found no pattern of sexual misconduct by Joe Biden. Oh, bravo. Bravo. Absolutely. I am, I, I, <laughs> take a bow, New York Times. Can we get some roses to throw on the stage? This is incredible performance. You literally just told us that seven women came forward saying that Biden was kissing them without consent. <laughs> but there's no pattern of sexual misconduct. Certainly. Certainly not. There's no there's there's no evidence against Brett Kavanaugh. But, you know, let me let, wait, wait till I show you what, what, they, what they did. Here we go. Oh, man, I, I just we're going to we're going to have to have an encore. New York Times just keep bowing. Don't stop. On Thursday, Miss Reed filed a report with the Washington D.C. police, saying she was the victim of a sexual assault in 1993. The public incident report provided to the Times by Miss Reed does not mention Mr. Biden by name, but she said the complaint was about him. Miss Reed said she filed the report to give herself an additional degree of safety from potential threats. And now here is the best sentence of the whole piece, at least so far. The New York Times then says, "Filing a false police report may be punishable by a fine and imprisonment." Woo! Oh man, I'm sorry for being noisy. Wow! Wow! New York Times. This is the most impressive thing I have ever seen. Putting a sentence in there implying she filed a criminal false police report. Absolutely astounding. I am so impressed. This is like you know they 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 they, they go so hard at Brett Kavanaugh. They say you know allegations must be taken seriously and all this. This is such an and insane 180. I am just, I, I I am in awe. I am in awe of the brazen, man, the New York Times. I I just, I'm speechless, you know, because they they, they like to say they're not biased. The media is not biased, but here they do this. And this is like the equivalent of the New York Times ripping open a trench coat and like shaking around in front of you to make sure you know they're biased. Filing a pol- a false police report. May be punishable by a fine and imprisonment. Thanks for letting me know that. I already knew that. Now why are you including this in, in in this story? Has nothing to do with the allegations. What are you trying to imply here? Incredible reporting. Wow, they 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 are they are jumping on landmines for Joe Biden. They're they're diving on grenades to save him. Miss Reed, who worked as a staff assistant helping manage the office interns, said she also filed a complaint with the Senate in nineteen ninety three about Mr. Biden. She said she did not have a copy of it and such paperwork has not been located. The Biden campaign said it did not have a complaint. The Times reviewed an official copy of her employment history from the Senate that she provided showing she was hired in December 1992 and paid by Mr. Biden's office until August 93. The seven other women who had complained about Mr. Biden told the Times this month they did not have any new information about their experiences to add, but several said they believed Ms. Reed's account. Last year, Biden 77 acknowledged the woman's complaints about his conduct saying his intentions were benign and promising to be more mindful and respectful of people's personal space, which he hasn't done, mind you. In response to Miss Reid's allegation, Kate Bedingfield, the deputy Biden campaign manager, said in a statement, Vice President Biden has dedicated his public life to changing the culture and laws around violence against women. He authored and fought for, uh, for the, the passage and reauthorization of the landmark Violence Against Women Act. He firmly believes that women have a right to be heard and heard respectfully such claims should be diligently reviewed by an independent press what is clear about this claim it is untrue this absolutely did not happen Miss Reed made her new allegation public as Mr. Biden was closing in on the on the on the Democratic presidential nomination after winning a string of primaries against his chief rival Bernie Sanders Miss Reed who describes herself as a third generation Democrat said she originally favored Marion Williamson and Senator Elizabeth Warren in the race but voted for Mr. Sanders in the California primary last month. She said her decision to come forward had nothing to do with politics or helping Mr. Sanders, and said neither his campaign nor the Trump campaign had encouraged her to make the alleg- uh, allegation. Oh, New York Times, you just uh, here we go. President Trump has been accused of sexual assault and misconduct by, by more than a dozen women uh, who have described a, a pattern of behavior that went far beyond the accusations against Mr. Biden. What does that have to do with anything? You disgusting swine! This is incredible. We do not have a free and independent press in this country. We have the New York Times trash rag who can't give us an honest understanding of what's happening in the world. And they're going to shoehorn in. But, but Trump has also been accused. Look how much they just go insane on Donald Trump. Why? I don't care. Tell me about Joe Biden. Don't tell me this woman could go to jail for filing a false police report, you scumbags. This is the most disgusting thing I have ever seen. It's absolutely incredible. Oh, and we're not done. There's more. So they they link to this. I kid you not. In the New York Times story, false or fictitious reports to Metropolitan Police. The New York Times actually linked to the statute. Why? Are you accusing this woman of filing a false police report? Why did you include it? These people are absolutely disgusting. Take a look at this story. So so jaded. The campaign to stop Brett Kavanaugh struggles for liftoff. I'm showing you this story from August 11th because I want to show you something before the public accusations came out against uh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Now, allegations were made, but it was like secret. You know, it was like someone, Christine Bozzi Ford sent a letter in private. The allegations were kind of floating around. The New York Times had already been writing tons of smear pieces against Brett Kavanaugh. Just go. I, I, I did this from August 1st to September 1st. Brett Kavanaugh at the New York Times. The partisan battle Kavanaugh now regrets. That's fine. Brett Kavanaugh urged graphic questions in Clinton inquiry. Why are Republicans covering up for Brett Kavanaugh's past? So-so jaded the campaign to stop Brett Kavanaugh. Democrats questioned Kavanaugh's testimony. Roe is settled law. That's actually a pretty good one for Kavanaugh, if you you were to ask me. White House withholds 100,000 pages of Brett Kavanaugh. Hold on. Why was there such a dramatic push to block Brett Kavanaugh? Why not Joe Biden? Why Why was the New York Times so concerned about these secret documents about Kavanaugh and his past and the things he'd voted on and the things he'd said. What about Joe Biden? Why aren't we digging up things Joe Biden said? I mean, he's running for president. You know, forget a Supreme Court justice. Joe Biden wants to be the president. The argument they made, well, we're not going to bring criminal charges against Brett Kavanaugh, but it is a job interview, right? That's what the activist said. Activists shut the Supreme Court, pounding on the doors. Alyssa Milano stood firm, dressed in her, uh, her, her, what, what, what is that? Uh, um, Handmaid's Tale outfit saying never, never Kavanaugh sitting behind him with her glasses, looking all stern for the press photography cameras. And then Joe Biden got accused and Alyssa Milano, Alyssa Milano stands him and goes, well, I for one believe in due process. Joe Biden deserves to be heard. Oh, bravo. You know, I really hope the American people can see through this. Gone are the days where you controlled the narrative, you disgusting, manipulative pieces of human trash. We see through it. We have the internet. Certainly, they would like to return us to days long since gone where I didn't have the opportunity to throw, throw a pie in your face over your disgusting deception. But now we can all see it, thanks to the wonder of peer to peer communications. Oh man, they long for those days. They know it. That's why YouTube is suppressing independent commentary and propping up the mainstream media. They don't want the truth to come out, they want to spin a yarn, control the narrative. Hell, you can't do it because people have the ability to speak up and share content. Check this out, JoeBiden.info. I will never not love this website. Here's what JoeBiden.info says. Biden 2020, Uncle Joe is back and ready to take a hands-on approach to America's problems. Joe Biden has a good feel for the American people and can smell what they really want deep down. Joe is ready to fight and will give a good old-fashioned pounding to anyone who gets in his way. And then we have a bunch of videos of the very, very creepy and disgusting things that Joe Biden has said or done. Remember that thing, that audio clip? It's, it's from this video right here where he's at a pool or something. And he says when he was a lifeguard, the kids would stroke his legs. What a creepy, disgusting old lecher! How about when he touches all these little girls and they cringe and pull away from him? How about the fact that he has been accused by women of kissing them non-consensually? And he apologized for, oh, I was just being lovey-dovey. <clears throat> no. Sorry. Here's a quote from him. I mean, you got the first mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and clean and a nice looking guy. Referring to Obama. Yeah, that's really great. The audacity of grope from John Stewart, February 24th, 2015. Samantha B. reports on Vice President Joe Biden's uncomfortable tendency to invade the personal space of women in his vicinity. Let me ask you a question. If I showed you a guy like Brett Kavanaugh, family man, and said 30 years ago. Now, now, mind you, Brett Kavanaugh has already been vetted at the federal level. He was a federal judge. He went through a vetting process, was confirmed. If I told you that this guy, a family man, 30 years ago at a party, was drinking with some friends, threw a young woman on the bed, jumped on top of her. His friend tackled him as they playfully rolled around. She got up and ran away. Would you believe it? You know what? Honestly, yes, yeah, some people might. Teenagers doing dumb teenage stuff. The story isn't all that crazy. I mean, is it good? No, of course not. But here's the problem. Whether or not it happened, I think is kind of irrelevant. It was around 30 plus years ago. It was dumb kids at a party. It doesn't sound good for anybody, but what do you want us to do about it? He didn't actually assault this woman. I mean, you could argue that it was maybe like physical assault or something, but they were rolling around drunk at a party. She got up and ran away. No one corroborated it. None of her friends even corroborated it. And I don't know why it's necessarily relevant. Now, what if I told you that there was a man frequently seen on camera groping women against their wishes? who has admittedly kissed them non-consensually, and who has been mocked by Jon Stewart and Samantha Bee for groping women, touching them without their consent. What if I told you that man had sexually assaulted a woman? You'd probably say, <laughs> if I was going to believe anybody, anybody would be doing it, it would be Joe Biden. Not the New York Times, though. The New York Times says, "Hmm, these allegations against Brett Kavanaugh, ooh, these, are, these are spicy. Then all of a sudden, a bunch of women came forward with nonsensical and insane statements against Joe Biden that he was at parties at Yale or Harvard or wherever he was. I think it was Yale. And they would drug women. They would spike the punch, drug them, and line up outside the door to gang rape them. That's the most insane thing I have ever heard. Brett Kavanaugh denies all of these things. And you also had several people recant allegations. Talk about the psychotic behavior of these people, the lies, the audacity. This is evil. Absolutely disgusting, disgusting evil behavior. I don't know how will tell you, man. Joe Biden is a creepy old lecher. So you know what? It's a 30 year old allegation. I don't like the idea of accusing some, someone of something they can't defend themselves against. But the bigger issue right here is not whether or not Joe Biden did it. I mean, it can be if that's your thing. For me, it's the double standard the media from, from the media, the lies. I mean, just look at how disgusting the New York Times is. Despicable. I'm gonna leave it there. We'll see how the story develops. But uh, I'll wrap it up with one final thought. Brad Parscale, you're going to need to amend this tweet. Over where it says New York Times, Christine Blasey Ford 90 plus Tara Reid zero, change the Tara Reid to a one. Actually, maybe change it to a negative one. Because I'm pretty sure all these stories about Blasey Ford were shining a positive light on her accusations. And considering they went out against Tara Reid, I think you should put a minus one right there. Negative. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be coming up at 1pm on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then. Right now, a video is going viral showing someone in a McDonald's holding up a flyer that basically says they are banning black people from the restaurant. I can't verify the tweet, but there are a lot of stories coming out right now that in the wake of the coronavirus, the Chinese government and businesses are evicting black people, are banning them. And I gotta tell you, man, we've known this for a long time. China is super, super racist. Check out this story from three years ago black man is washed whiter in China's racist detergent advert. It's strange to me that right now you've got conservatives condemning the racism of China and, their, and the lies and the authoritarian government. And you have, for some reason, many people on the left trying to defend the Chinese government. Don't, don't ask me, but I'll, I'll save that for the next segment coming up at 4 p.m. For those on the podcast, you'll have already seen it. But I want to show you this video first. The China Insider tweeted, a McDonald's in China is allegedly not permitting black people to dine in their restaurant. This follows weeks of rampant discrimination and racism towards foreigners in the, chi- uh, in, in the China, particularly towards the African-American community. This, the sign says, notice, we've been informed that from now on, black people are not allowed to enter the restaurant. For the sake of your health, consciously notify the local police for medical isolation. Please understand the inconvenience caused. And it it looks like a McDonald's. So I don't know if the McDonald's corporation is going to do anything about this, but I'll tell you what. They might try and do the defense of, oh, no, no. Uh, You know, the Chinese government is making us do it. Don't care. Literally don't care. Uh, McDonald's, this is on you. If your businesses are going to be doing this, then don't be surprised if I won't, you know, uh, go to any of your restaurants. I mean, I'm not going to eat McDonald's. Who, Who am I kidding? I don't eat McDonald's. I think it's gross. So fine, whatever. Then, you know, I got nothing other than I think it's wrong. And perhaps it's true that the Chinese government is making this happen. But if these businesses that are American based and born want to operate in other countries, and we see this, don't be surprised when your brand takes a major hit. And it should. This one's on on, on McDonald's. Now, while I can't completely verify that video, it was tweeted out by, 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 uh, by, by many people. It looks to be McDonald's. And uh, look, I got to be honest. It's kind of a hard thing to verify in the first place, because if you wanted verification, you'd ask for a video. So if we have a video of someone in a McDonald's, you can see an employee. It looks like, It looks like they're holding the flyer and then someone's filming it. I, I don't know. I'm going to lean towards thinking it's real. I suppose it's possible that somebody, you know, handed the flyer to the employee and then held it, held it up to like claim McDonald's doing it. I, maybe as a prank. One of the things I noticed right away was that the, the the flyer was in English and I'm like, nah, I don't believe it because why is it in English? And many people quickly pointed out Because the expats, the non-Chinese, many of the black people who come to to, uh, China, they likely speak English or they're assuming foreigners will speak English. That actually doesn't make sense. We've seen this quite a bit, though. Check out this story from France 24 from uh, just the other day. Quote, if you're black, you can't go out. Africans in China face racism in COVID-19 crackdown. It's not the only one. Check out this story. After enduring months of lockdown, Africans in China are being targeted and evicted from their apartments once again from from just yesterday Andy no, a journalist who tweeted out the video as well, said, "I can't independently verify this particular instance, but can confirm that very similar messages are being posted in southern China, where most of the African expats are the u s who China accuses of racism has been speaking out on the issue so one of the one of the things that China has tried doing to deflect blame or to make the the West look bad is claiming that, you know, Trump saying China virus is racist. We see for some reason leftist media pick up the same narrative. And then arguing that, you know, Chinese citizens and Asians are under attack in the United States for, you know, because of the racist perceptions of coronavirus. And sure, there have been these instances, of course. It's not institutional. Why are businesses doing this? Why are people being evicted? You want to explain that one, China? Check out this story from FANS Twenty Four. They say China says it has largely curbed its COVID-19 outbreak, but a recent cluster of cases linked to the Nigerian community community in Guangzhou sparked the alleged discrimination by locals and virus prevention officials. Local authorities in the industrial center of 15 million said at least eight people diagnosed with the illness had spent time in the city's Uexu district known as Little Africa. Five were Nigerian nationals who faced widespread anger after reports surfaced they had broken a mandatory quarantine and been to eight restaurants and other public places instead of staying home. You know, you know why this is so interesting to me. In the U.S., we've heard the outraged left, the screeching that you know you you can't you can't call it the China virus or the Chinese virus. Well, Bill Maher recently came out and and struck that down, saying, yeah, that's where it came from. But one of the problems we've faced is that there are many people who are. I guess scared of Chinese people because of the coronavirus. And so there have been stories of people who are Chinese or Asian, even like Asian American, not immigrants, wearing masks and getting yelled at. This is literally the same story happening in China. So you know what? Maybe the problem is that human beings are racist, I guess. I think the United States is substantially less racist than China is. We have civil rights law that guarantees certain protections. And you could not do what we are seeing now. They're straight up saying at this McDonald's, assuming it's true, black people can't come in. But it's not just that. Check this out. They're being evicted from their apartments. This is Quartz Africa, and they report. Across African capitals, Chinese ambassadors are being hauled over by foreign ministries to explain horrid scenes that have gone viral on social media platforms of African migrants being evicted from apartments and refused entry into hotels. The videos have enraged governments and citizens back home. The incidents have sparked a diplomatic race route with the African Union various African governments, and even the United States, all putting pressure on Beijing over the reported treatment of black migrants who are predominantly from African countries. Ghana, Nigeria, Kenya, and Uganda are among those that have asked for explanations from the Chinese government. Quote, I don't know where I will sleep tonight, a man from Ghana says in a nighttime video. Luggage strewn on the streets. We are Nigerians, Ugandans, and Ghanaians. We are stranded now. In another video, a group of black men can be seen pulling their luggage and being herded through the rainy streets by police officers. They're chasing us away. We are just walking on the road. They are not giving us houses. They are not giving us hotels. They don't want us to stay at one place, the person filming the video says. On Saturday, the front page of Kenya's uh, Kenya's nation newspaper read, Kenyans in China rescue us from hell. So how about I give a shout out to all of the social justice activists who want to complain about white supremacy and the problems of the United States and systemic racism and all the other stupid nonsense. One of the things we've been hearing now, like Ocasio-Cortez saying, this is a racial issue. You know what, man? It's not a racial issue in the United States, okay? It's a poverty and class issue. And yes, that will predominantly affect black and brown communities because while it's true, most white people are, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's true that there are more poor white people than any other race. Black people are more likely to be poor. These are facts. I'm not trying to impugn any race or culture. And there's a lot of reasons why you can uh, argue that's true. But when looking at the data, the, uh, I think poverty rate among black households is like 26 percent compared to white, holes, white households being around 10 percent. But there are more white people in poverty. There's a lot of complicated math you got to go through. So what ends up happening is when the coronavirus hits. It hits people who can't afford certain treatments, who can't afford to social distance, and that will predominantly affect, you know, uh, uh, urban, pro- probably like urban black and brown communities. It does. Uh, well, so one of the reasons I think it's not impacting poor white communities, even though there's more of them, is because they tend to be more rural, tend to be, not always. And so a lot of these rural houses, farms, and, and, and uh, white families living in middle America, well, they're not living in dense urban populations, so they're less likely to get this. It's not, you know, it, it really bugs me out. There are a lot of people trying to turn this into a race thing, demanding reparations and other nonsense when we could just help poor people and it would solve all of the problems. But let's be, let's be real. Whenever there's some big social justice leftist issue, they, they claim there's a global problem of colonialism or whatever. And then what happens? They excuse China. They ignore the racism of what, of what China is doing. And yes, the Chinese people, not all of them, but there are racist Chinese people. It's a fact I mean, you had that commercial and and here's what the Chinese uh, company said. They said that uh, any discrimination is in the eye of the viewer. In the advert, you see cleaning detergent is put in a black man's mouth. He's shoved into a washing machine and a Chinese guy comes out and they're all laughing and smiling. Yeah, it's racist. It's implying that certain people of certain races are dirty and they don't care. That's not the government. That's the people, the businesses in this country. You've got all of these issues, environmentalism, and they say, oh, but you know, white Europeans, they're the worst. Well, what about China, man? They're, doing, they're, they're, they're pumping out tons of pollution. They're, tr- they're, they're, they're doing all this oil exploration all around the world, and they're completely ignored. Even to this day, when we have serious considerations for how the coronavirus is impacting the environment, things are doing a lot better. Where's Greta Thunberg to come out and talk about what China is doing? Instead, we get woke leftists in this country defending China, it's the most insane thing ever. I, I told this story, you may, you may have heard, uh, heard me tell it in a previous video or on a podcast, but I actually had a conversation with an activist when I was at the Dakota Access Pipeline protests. And I was saying that I had to go, uh, I had to have a business meeting in a few days. And I was told that scheduling was colonial thinking. And I said, I don't, wh- what does that mean? What do you mean colonial thinking? And it was explained to me by this white progressive that because I had set a schedule for a meeting, which every culture understands the concept of, that I was embracing white European colonialism, which I got mad. I was like, what are you talking about? As someone who's part Asian, I said, My, we, had, we had scheduling and, and technology and everything well before the Europeans did. Like We understood the concept of waking up to go farming. We knew what it meant when it was like, you got to wake up at this time to do this thing. And I was told by this activist, that white Europeans brought that concept to Asia. I kid you not. Are you kidding me? These people literally think Europe is the epicenter of the entire universe. And it's the weirdest, it's the weirdest thing. It's almost like they have to hold this view and disregard all of the really awful things that happen in Southeast Asia. Look, it's not just China, but it mostly is China, especially right now. China has a lot of really bad things. They have concentration camps. Are we going to see anybody come out and talk about this? There have been a few progressives. There have been a a, a few celebrities who have called it out, but this problem is certainly getting beyond anything you could ignore. But of course, what do we get? We get the main, the establishment for some reason, trying to defend the uh, China and the government. And I think, I think it's because the only thing they know is the orange man is bad. And I think this is derivative of the dying media. You know, Joe Rogan recently was talking about media objectivity, and he was saying that he thinks CNN's just trying to survive. I completely agree. They've come to a point where they're just not relevant. If CNN and any of these media outlets had, you know, on the ground journalists and were actually doing real news, I'd say, okay, well, I guess they're trying to survive. They're not doing this. Take, uh, take a look at the, what the New York Times did. If you saw the, the segment, I, if you listened to the segment I did earlier, they're defending Joe Biden. The only thing they know how to do is play the same game orange man bad, period, no matter what. If Trump comes out and says, look at all these countries is in this medical treatment, what do they do? They come out and say, mm, it must be bad. If Trump comes out and says, this started in Wuhan, all of a sudden now, and even Bill Maher's calling it out, they say, we're no longer going to abide by the normal naming procedure for viruses. West Nile, Zika, Ebola, Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, get it? Wuhan virus, or, 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 or you know wh- whatever you want to call it. But yes, Wuhan virus makes the most sense because those are the rules. That's how we actually used to name things. Something happened. Trump said it. Boom. Must be must be bad. I'm sick and tired of this, man. Right now in China, you have overtly racist actions taking place. Africans, US say blacks are being mistreated in China's Guangzhou. This is from yesterday. How about this one? African nations and the U.S. decry racism against blacks in China. In the United States, we may have racism problems. We certainly do. We have bad history, but we are fighting every day to the best of our abilities. And, you know, maybe it's not perfect to actually be better. And most people in this country now, especially mainstream personalities, every politician abhors racism. Save a few I could call out. But yes, it's not perfect. But you want to compare us to China? I'll tell you what. Social justice activists, when they're talking about the environment, need to call out China and India. They don't do it, even to this day. Race activists, they want to talk about US you know, imperialism or European colonialism, and they ignore what China is doing. Right now, China is colonizing in other countries. They're not doing it in the way that people you know, expect, expect based on history. They're not loading up on boats, crashing into the shores and and sticking a flag in the ground. But because of their massive population density, people from China are leaving the country and setting up roots in other countries and expanding their culture. Now, you you can be totally fine with the majority of Chinese culture, and a lot of it's totally fine and cool, actually. And you can be totally fine with them as a people. That's absolutely fine. This is coming from someone who has Southeast Asian heritage. But you have to call out their culture, 100%. And now the weirdest thing, Bill Maher apparently is a conservative. I, I don't even know how you deny it at this point. You know, what, Bill Maher's got Trump derangement syndrome. Fine, but it's weird to me how they're gonna, <laughs> Bill Maher can, whatever whatever's is going on. I don't know. I guess I guess maybe Bill Maher's still a liberal. So am I. But the fact that they have wet markets that are spreading diseases, call it out. It's bad. Have you ever been to Chinatown in New York? They have like w- w- fresh raw fish and animals. There's there's animals hanging in the windows. It's not the same. No, no don't get me wrong. But you can see how there's a possibility that these cultures will spread around and they do exist in other countries and it spreads diseases. It's why so many diseases have emerged in China. But a lot of people don't know this. The left will tell you the Spanish flu emerged in Kansas. That's one theory. Another theory is that the strain started in China and then mutated afterwards. And that's why China had a mild flu season during the Spanish flu, because they had an, an immunity to the weaker form, which protected many of them. There are a lot of problems with this country. And we need to call them out. More importantly, they have concentration camps. I can't believe all of these people, these social justice activists want to sit here and claim that, you know, I I love this tweet where they're like, ever wonder what you would have done in World War II Germany? And it's like, uh, sure. And they say, well, you're doing it right now. Why? Because of Trump or because of China? Yeah. Why don't you give me a definitive answer and actually tell me what you're focusing on? Because you're not focusing on these causes. You're lying. You just don't like America. Okay, I know it's really silly because it's a very conservative stereotype where the you know, the conservatives like they just hate America. But come on, man. Don't we at least have some evidence right now? If China's literally operating concentration camps, invading sinking, they've been sinking Vietnamese fishing, fishing, fishing vessels. They're extremely racist. They're pumping out smog like nobody's business. And no one seems to bat an eye. So if you're going to ignore a problem that large and then complain about America, I'm just going to go ahead and, and think you don't like this country. There are absolutely things in this country to criticize 100%. But come on, man. If African nations and the US are calling this out, it's about time you call it out. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4pm at youtube.com slash Timcast, my main channel. For those in the podcast and they're curious, it's all just on this podcast episode. So, um, but I will see you at 4pm. Thanks for hanging out. If there's one thing that we've learned from the coronavirus pandemic is that we can't really rely on the government to be there for us. We've got complaints nonstop that Trump did everything wrong. Fine, if that's what you believe, then don't rely on government. But at the same time, we've got a homeless crisis in California. We've got police arresting and detaining people who did nothing wrong. Meanwhile, they're ignoring actual people violating social distancing because those are people in government. The first story I have for you that I really want to focus on is a black doctor handcuffed by police while unloading supplies for homeless people from his van outside his Miami home during the coronavirus pandemic. The reason I'm focusing on this in the context of government failure is that we need doctors. We need them to check on the homeless. We need them to help us stop the crisis. If cops are going to hassle them over arbitrary rules, the government is acting very inefficiently, isn't it? But also take a look at what's going on over in California. 70 people in San Francisco homeless shelter have uh, contracted coronavirus, the largest outbreak in California. And we've known this was going to happen and warned against it. And they didn't do anything. Maybe they can't do anything. You might argue it's not the job of the government to do anything about this. Okay, (laughs) if that's the argument, we need to find other solutions. You may argue it is their job, in which case they failed that job. But I I, I think the the best example of government failure so far, and I know it's not really the best, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who told City that getting your roots done is not essential amid lockdown, defends her decision to have one, saying she needs it because she's in the public eye. Yeah, she got her hair done while people are being told not to go outside. Look, these are just a few stories. I really want to highlight this doctor got coughed because it really makes me angry. But what do we see? The government enacts arbitrary rules, it's for your own good ignores their own rules. These cops that are going out arresting people are violating social distancing. For the for, for what? I saw a tweet. I think it was from Blair White saying that she was walking her dog or something, and a cop came up to her and yelled at her to put a mask on. Like what? Do you, what, what is happening? And, and you, you, what I see from this. Look at this story of this doctor. I want to read this to you. Expect this. Okay, they're going to come out and say for everyone's good, you must stay in your homes. And they don't abide by the same rules. They do whatever they want. They claim you don't have, in in Chicago, of all places, they say you should not be allowed to carry up and to defend yourself. Yet all the politicians do, or they have armed guards. Now, I know conservatives all get this. And a lot of you are probably laughing, saying like, welcome to the party, Tim. But no, I get it. That's why I'm highlighting it. I read these stories all day, every day. Check out this story. Black doctor is handcuffed by police while unloading supplies for homeless people from his van outside his Miami home during the coronavirus pandemic. A Florida police sergeant handcuffed an African-American doctor while he was unloading tents for the homeless from his van outside his own home. The incident occurred on Friday and was caught on video by a security camera outside Dr. Armin Henderson's home in Miami, Florida. Dr. Armin Henderson trying to help the homeless and he gets cuffed because for what reason? I don't think this is an issue of, you know, Black Lives Matter, police brutality or anything like that. It's the cops. They've been doing this. They've been pulling up being like, there's a person I can hassle for no reason. In the video, Henderson, who works for the University of Miami Health System, can be seen moving to and from his white cargo van, which is parked at the curb, with all of its doors open. After a few minutes, a police cruiser pulls up to the van. Why? They say security footage outside Dr. Armin Henderson's home showed the moment that he was approached by police while he was unloading supplies. Henderson has a brief conversation with the sergeant in the vehicle before turning away, at which point the sergeant exits the car. They have another another discussion, after which Henderson, unhooking the mask from his ears, starts walking back to his home. The sergeant and Henderson then have another conversation, which leads to the sergeant putting zip tie handcuffs on Henderson, who can be seen calling out to someone. The sergeant then leads Henderson back to his cruiser and tells him something, gesticulating in Henderson's face as he placidly leans against the car. After a few moments, Henderson's wife emerges from the home and speaks to the sergeant. She then returns inside, at which point the sergeant removes Henderson's handcuffs. And when she reappears, she shows the sergeant some ID. As Henderson's wife and the sergeant speak, Henderson can be seen picking up some gardening equipment and moving it towards his home. Why would this ever happen? I'm, I'm sorry, man. This is supposed to be a violation of the Fourth Amendment, right? Okay, well, all right, I'll chill out a little bit. I'm a little worked up. Because I have seen way too many stories of overzealous cops arresting people, detaining people for stupid reasons. And now we have literally a doctor trying to get supplies for the homeless. Once again, police doing stupid things. So no, I don't think it's like the end of the world. Yes, I understand police have a right to detain people for reasonable suspicions. But come on, man, a dude in front of his own house loading up a van of supplies that we need him to be doing. You can, t- we can you, you now take a look at what goes on in San Francisco when they don't have any support. And this not th- this story about the homeless in San Francisco, I don't want to pretend like is an overt condemn like an example of government failures. I just want to point out why the first story is the doctor needs to do his job, man. Don't hassle people. You can pull up and say, how's it going, man? What are you up to? And when the guy says, "Just getting supplies with almost appreciate your pr- appreciate the, the volunteering, man. You, you have a good day. Is it that hard? Do we have to be completely suspicious of everyone all the time? This is happening not just in the U.S., but it's happening in the U.K. and many other countries. 70 people in San Francisco homeless shelter have contracted the virus, and that's in a shelter. So I'm not going to say it's directly the fault of the government, I mean, but you've got got a serious homeless problem in California that they can't seem to solve. They have a supermajority in the state, a Democratic supermajority. You'd think that'd be enough to enact whatever plan they wanted, but they can't do it. I'm going to come now to Another frustrating story. This is kind of a fruit punch. This is a, this is a government failure punch bowl of different stories. Just because I, I've, I've you, you may have noticed I've done a bunch of segments about government overreach in the past uh, couple of days or so because I'm genuinely concerned the rise of authoritarianism is upon us. There is no better example, in my opinion right now, of exactly what you can expect than this story about the Chicago mayor. The Daily Mail says, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot has defended having her hair cut in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic, despite forcing her city salons and barbers to close in compliance with the statewide stay-at-home order. Lightfoot57 sparked outrage last weekend after her hairstylist shared photos to social media after tending to the mayor's tresses. The pair posed close together, and neither was wearing a mask or gloves. Critics called out the Democratic mayor as a hypocrite in light of the fact that she had recently released a public service announcement telling Chicago residents that getting their roots done is not essential. Lightfoot has also pushed for police to arrest residents who flout lockdown orders. Bingo. You know, I hope all of the socialists can look at this story and the other story about the doctor and recognize why it does not work. It will never work. Stop trying to make it a thing. It just doesn't work. I don't get how you have all of these socialists who rag on police all day, every day. They say cab. You know what that means? All cops are, and then a B word, YouTube doesn't want me to say. All cops are, I'll just say, all cops are bastards. That's what, that's what it's supposed to mean. They say literally every cop all the time. I wouldn't even go that far. And I got problems with this. But then they simultaneously think giving the government full control over the means of production and our society would result in a utopia? I'm sorry, man. That's like your brain is 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 your wires are crossed. You can't believe both things are true at the same time, right? How are you going to argue for small government? You know, a weakened police force, right? Their pol- its police. You know what? Maybe maybe they think in their utopia they'll have police accountability. They won't. I mean, you never will. You will end up with a political party that does this. They will tell you, you are not allowed to go outside. You're not allowed to defend yourself. You're not allowed to keep the the fruit of your labor. But they will. You ever see that movie Equilibrium? I'm reminded of that movie. It's a Christian Bill movie. Definitely check it out. It's really good. And it's basically this futuristic world where everybody has to take an emotion suppressor like drug. I know kind of, it, trust me, it's not really off topic, but you know, for the sake of conversation. Christian Bale eventually stops taking the drug and starts getting in tune with his emotions, something he's never experienced before. And it turns out that, you know, uh, well, he ends up siding with the rebels. The government burns art and anything that could inspire emotion. It turns out the leader himself has emotions and doesn't take this drug. Rules for thee, but not for me. This is always the problem with massive government. Now, I certainly am not one of these staunch, small government libertarian types. I think a slight, a small to medium-sized government is actually a really good thing. Libertarians tend to want a very small government. Anarcho-capitalists and anarchists want no government. But the, 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 the anarcho-left seems to make very little sense in that regard because they do want some kind of like, I don't know, cultural mandate over how you're supposed to behave, but you can't enforce it. So don't ask me. That's why they end up becoming authoritarian leftists. But ultimately- you end up with story after story, policy after policy, and problem after problem. You have all of these instances where the government will do whatever they want while telling you you can't. I mean, take a look at North Korea. You got a big fat Kim Jong-un eating all the food while the people of his country starve. You, you, you see this all the time. The way I often tell it to people is, as much as I would prefer a more cooperative system, leaning slightly to the left and more libertarian for sure, I would be fine with the more right-leaning libertarian system because within that system, I can do whatever I want. Right, right, right. Libertarianism would allow you to have your own pocket of left libertarianism. So if if our government was completely free market and free, you could form your little, you know, your little communist commune and do whatever you want. In fact, there are people in this country who do it. So if you want that, that exists for you. The reality is, I think many of these people just want authoritarianism. They want the government monarch, king's leaders to tell them what they can or can't do because they they prefer it. Many of these people think that everyone else is too stupid to uh, to, uh, to do the right thing without realizing it's not an issue of being stupid. While I do think a lot of people are stupid, it's an issue of what you think is the right thing versus what someone else thinks is the right thing. And that creates a distributed system, which is more likely to get it right. There's also a problem that the system can't solve every, uh, the problem that our system can't solve for every problem and eventually will run away and cause serious problems that will eventually bring our downfall. If we can't adapt to escalating pollution and other crises, then yeah, we could end up, you know, dying out. I I, I think humans are resilient and adaptive, and I'm more inclined to believe that by distributing the, the control and the power among the people as opposed to centralizing it like they would want, we'll do better. Think about it this way. Looking at this doctor who's doing what we need him to do, seems like a really good dude. If you remove the power of the police to do what they're doing, we would have more of these people working to solve this problem. I admit people are flaunting the lockdown and it's making things worse. I don't know what, you, what you're supposed to do, but I'll tell you what, this ain't it. I'll leave it there. Look, I'll be honest, man. You, 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 you give me more stories about violations of civil liberties, and you're gonna see me make more videos about this. But I got a couple more segments coming up for you in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly proving that yes, celebrities have completely lost their minds. Jamie Dornan says Kristen Wiig apologized for making him do that Imagine video. Oh, it's so awful. Have you seen that video? Oh, I love ragging on it. All these celebrities end up doing this thing where they sing Imagine to their phones because they are snooty, snide elitists who think they're better than you. I know it was probably good intentions, but it shows just how many of these people aren't talented and they make cringy, awful content when they don't have talented people directing them. Everyone ragged on this video, calling it cursed, calling it cringy. And you know what's even more cringy than just making it? Apologizing for it. I'm not kidding. Celebrities have lost it. Just stop already, please. Check, take a look at this from Glamour, The the <laughs> It feels like almost yesterday that Gal Gadot, Kristen Wiig, Jamie Dornan, and a slew of other celebrities were roasted on Twitter for filming a head-scratching, but well-intentioned, rendition of Imagine by John Lennon. Now the Fifty Shades actor is one of the first to speak out about the infamous video, which he says he was dragged into. It's not my fault. They made me do it, he says. Yeah, throw Kristen Wiig under the bus. Kristen and I did a movie together last summer. That's meant to be coming out on the 31st thirty first of July, but who knows what'll happen. He said on Shane Todd's Tea With Me podcast around the 22 minute mark. We got on brilliantly. I would do anything for her. I was the biggest fan of her before. Anyway, she's a genius. All it took was a text. Chris, Kristen texted two days before that came out. My friend Gal and I are trying to organize this thing to try and lift people's spirits. Oh no. You know what's lifting our spirits though? Making fun of them. So Mission accomplished. Dornan explained uh, laughing in retrospect. So I was like, of course, I'll do it. It sounds like a lovely thing to do. He added that Godot was trying to do the right thing. I just, I just got dragged along with it. Listen, man, I get emails all the time for, from people who want to do collabs and stuff. I don't do it. Not because I don't like any of these people, because I just want to mind my own business. You get roped into this thing, you will, you will regret it. The, listen, if there's one thing that we've learned, outside of the fact the government is failing in a lot of different ways. If there's one thing we've learned about uh, uh, from the coronavirus, it's that many of these celebrities have no talent. I mean, they may have a little bit of talent in some areas, but certainly not in production and conceptualization of something interesting. Well, I will say, though, it is fair to point out they wanted to lift our spirits. I'm having a good time making fun of them. I don't hate them or anything like that. I'm just po- playful poking fun. I think Gal Gadot is actually pretty cool. I don't know who Jamie Dornan is, and I think Kristen Wigg is pretty cool as well. Apparently, once the backlash hit, Dornan said he was made aware by some of his friends, including Wig. Not being on social media, I wasn't aware of the reaction. Then Chris and texted days later going, sorry. And I was like, what do you mean? If Dornan had to point out why the video frustrated fans, he'd say it was all the beautiful swinging trees by an ocean. I'll tell you what the problem was. I literally did mine in the toilet of my house, he said. Quite clearly, people had escaped to their second home. There was too much acreage in the background, too much beautiful swinging trees by an ocean. I was like, make it normal. That's not the issue. The issue was that it was just cringe content. You can watch Dornan's entire interview. Yeah, 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 we get it. What is it? They, wait, what, what, he's going to, wait, wait, wait. He says he's going to play one of the Tiger King. Now get out of here. Tiger King was dumb. I, f- I feel like people are pretending Tiger King was good. I tried watching it. I wasn't into it. But anyway, Glamour has this other story just from a couple days ago that uh, really drives the point home. Look at all these photos. Celebrities are coming unhinged during quarantine and I've never felt more seen. Here I am just flirting with my lampshade again. Yes, celebrities are absolutely losing it. I wonder why. I think I think it's because they expect a certain amount of attention all the time. Like it's normal for them, right? So uh, for me, you know, maybe maybe they're not very strong mentally. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just wrong, but here, here's the way I see it. Look, I get notifications on my phone all day, every day, nonstop. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to brag or anything. I have hundreds of thousands of followers, a collective, you know, several million on all platforms. And I get emails re- relentlessly. And for the most part, it just goes right over my head, right? I, I don't, I, I read as much as I can. I ignore notifications. I read my emails. I, I ignore, ignore notifications. I ignore notifications for sure. I don't care. I don't much want the attention, but I understand the line of work I'm in. It's basically built on attention. So, you know, whatever. But a lot of these celebrities get 10 to 100 times the amount of attention I get. They have millions of followers on individual platforms for a collective like tens of millions or more. And they're probably used to posting a photo and getting 50 billion, you know, views or whatever. One of the things I've talked about is this uh, mental problem YouTubers have where they'll start noticing their view counts going down. And you can see it in real time when they have breakdowns. A YouTuber will be on Twitter and say things like, oh, no, everything is bad. And they'll post like a breakdown video like, I don't know what I'm doing. And you can look at their YouTube views and see that often something will happen where their views will start going down. And then you can see like a week later, they're like, life is miserable. I don't know what's going on. And what they don't tell you is that that feeling is driven by the fact their views are going down. What a lot of these people don't, what a lot of them lack actually is like mental fortitude. You know, look, you're not always going to be the cream of the crop, best of the best. I mean, you might be good at what you do, but eventually your views drop off. I expect the same thing will happen to me at some point. I'm not going to cry about it. But these people don't understand as well that sometimes there are trends and sometimes there's competition. Maybe you've made videos and for a month you were getting a million views per video. All of a sudden someone notices that you're doing really well and copies your style, but does it slightly better or slightly worse. Either way, stealing some of your customers. I'm using customer is like a, in a metaphorical way. It's your business, right? All of a sudden your views go down. These people think they're doing something wrong. They're not. There's just competition and you can't always have a monopoly on the market. They then get really depressed. Now back to the celebrities. I imagine the same thing happens to them. They're used to going on TV, doing their specials, being a guest on a TV show, posting their Instagrams. All of a sudden, they're not getting the same amount of attention. So they become desperate to get the attention. And what happens? Without their special people behind the scenes to guide them and tell them what is good content, they post nonsensical insanity, which people rag on. Some of it are just poor attempts to be funny. Some of it is just ripe for, cri- ripe for criticism and they get torn apart. But they're desperate to fill the glass. You see, if every day you get a million likes, then you are used to a million likes. That's baseline for you. You don't feel good. You don't feel bad. You feel like I did what I was supposed to do. I got a million likes. If one day you get 1.5 million, you're probably like, wow, today was a good day. But what happens if you get only half a million? All of a sudden, now you're like, what am I doing wrong? And these celebrities are certainly going through this. It's like a withdrawal for them. Their, their, their addiction is being broken. I mean, maybe it's good for them, but they're certainly losing it. Glamour writes, quarantine has gotten weird, guys. Now that I've ripped through everything I wanted to on Netflix, organized my closet, and caught up with everyone I've encountered since birth, I'm bored. So bored. And that boredom is manifesting in behaviors that would typically seem bizarre, but now make total sense. Like having a dance party for one in the pitch black in my living room after drinking a bottle of wine to, uh, to the same song on a loop. I think Jessica Lange did something similar on a season of American Horror Story, and her character was literally going insane. He says, for me, though, it's just Saturday night and Monday night and Tuesday and Wednesday. No, I'm not staging a full full on discos every day, blah, blah, blah. He says, a few celebrities out there get this too. They're not performing pop shows for inanimate objects per se, but they are exhibiting some or off kilter behavior and posting it for the world to see. I feel completely seen in their wackiness. And if you've also been flirting with your lampshade on and off for the past week, I think you will too. Behold the most delightfully deranged things celebrities have done while in quarantine. Julia Louise Dreyfus, makeup, look here. Yeah, apparently she posted a weird thing. What is this one? Christian Chenoweth belting out a random opera note while putting cheese on pasta dressed as Winnie the in a Winnie the Pooh onesie. What is this? Ina Gardam making a cocktail the size of a nine year old child. All right. January Jones wearing an opulent rainbow kaftan in the middle of the day and dumping an entire box of baking soda into her detox bath. Also her neon mask and beer dance party. I think we're actually just seeing they've got nothing to do. And this is how they behave. Like, what, what is this? I mean, I'm actually kind of OK with people doing weird stuff. What is this one? Leslie Jordan making enough chicken salad for an army while waxing poetic about the time he took an illicit substance at a New York City nightclub. Yeah, they're bored. Cardi B screaming bloody murder at her computer screen and yelling expletives full in full glam. Madonna replacing some of the lyrics to Vogue with the phrase fried fish. Wow. Julie, uh, Judy Dench wandering around her house in a dog hat. I think we are just seeing some of these people are weirdos behind the scene. That's fine. You can be a weirdo. I got no beef if you're a weird person. Some of the stuff like screeching. Jessica Chastain spying on people and seeing things that only make sense in a Will- Willy Wonka movie? What? No, no, no. Arnold is awesome. Arnold Schwarzenegger having a formal meal in his house alongside a live pony and donkey is one of the coolest things ever. That's awesome. Sitting in your room screeching and putting makeup on all weird and desperately trying to do a bit for attention. Yeah, I get it. I don't think they're actually crazy. I think they're desperate. Arnold sitting in a room where a little donkey walks up sounds amazing. That's cool. And last but not least, Julianne Moore vacuuming her lawn. <laughs> people are losing their minds. What? This is how I start my day. Throw a weird sweater over my pajamas, grab the vacuum cleaner, and get to work inside, outside, wherever I'm needed. Maybe they're trying to make jokes, I, I guess, vacuuming the lawn. Uh, is that a lawn vacuum? Maybe? Maybe it's a normal thing. Maybe I'm weird for not knowing that. But I'll give a shout out to a couple people. Ryan Reynolds has been uh, amazing in, this, in the coronavirus pandemic. He's like a funny guy. He's a, he's a really smart, funny guy. Arnold hanging out with little critters and donkeys and stuff is also pretty awesome. And I'll be fair. I'm poking fun at all these people. Some of them probably are weirdos who are desperate for attention, but I'm sure for the most part, people are just trying to be silly and funny, and no one really knows what we're doing here. It's the wild, wild west of content, man. People like me, we got a leg up. This is what I do for a living. For the rest of these celebrities, it would be like if you gave a 12-year-old kid a platform with a million followers. Like They've never done this before. They have no idea what to do, and they do weird and crazy things. For the rest of us, We're used to it. We're on social media all day. So we just keep doing our thing. That works. Anyway, it's fun ragging on celebrities, but I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. I do not believe the world is ending, but it's fun to pretend, right? We have a bunch of stories recently that are actually kind of freaky that many people think show us the world is ending. It's probably not ending. I mean, probably in the sense that like 99.9999% likelihood it's not ending. But these stories are still fascinating. The first story, Krakatoa volcano Anak Krakatau erupts in Indonesia. The famous Krakatoa, which erupted in 1883 and was so loud it was heard 2000 miles away, has erupted again. Could this be a foreshock to a greater explosion that will be heard around the world? Probably not. Still a fun story. But we've also got, there was an earthquake in Idaho really close to Yellowstone. So people are freaking out thinking that Yellowstone's going to erupt. A series of earthquakes are on the Pacific Ring of Fire, which is normal. But also Chernobyl is on fire. Raging forest infernos in Chernobyl exclusion zone burning for 8 days are now close to exploded nuclear reactor. Oh no. And China urges authorities to prepare for possible locust invasion. That's right. A plague of locusts are swarming around the uh, Egypt and making its way towards China. Could these be signs of the apocalypse? Probably not. I'll tell you what's really going on. Look, some things are happening, like Krakatoa exploded. That's, 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 you know, interesting. I think we're just bored. Our news cycle is normally dominated by very specific things and very specific beats. I mean, look, I often talk about cultural issues and politics. Here I am talking about the end of the world because people are running, about, running out of things to do and talk about because there's nothing going on. So for a lot of people they are sitting at home, celebrities are going crazy, and there's very little celebrity gossip yes, we can rag on them for being insane. What ends up happening then is these stories, which are normal, and, and we see them in the news all the time, but they're not something that people typically focus on, end up coming to the forefront. Now, I think it's fair to point out locust invasion, interesting, and earthquakes. All these things are, 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 are interesting. But I'd be willing to bet that if it was any other month outside of this global pandemic, these things would have happened and people would have been like, oh, yeah, I didn't notice. Now, if you're somebody who's hyper-focused on the weird goings-on in the world and you're looking for signs of the apocalypse, then yeah, maybe you'd find something. Let's read through a little bit of these. Let's start with what's going on with Krakatoa, just because it's cool. This is from NZ Herald. They report, the world-famous Krakatoa volcano, Anak Krakatau, has erupted in Indonesia with a fountain of lava and a huge plume of smoke and ash. There are reports of a large magmatic eruption happening right now as the volcano at the volcano island. Satellite imagery shows ash several kilometers into the air and a plume as high as 15 kilometers. The webcam on Anak Krakatau Island shows lava erupting from the volcano. This seems to be the strongest eruptive phase since the violent phreatomagmatic activity following the partial collapse of the volcano on 22 December 2018, which had triggered a deadly tsunami that killed hundreds of people on Java's west coast. After that eruption, Scientists said the volcanic volcano island was reduced to about a quarter of its pre pre eruption size. See, that's actually a really good point. There was a major event that happened a couple of years ago. Nobody talked about it. I mean, at least I didn't. Maybe some of you guys knew about it, but not me. Here I am reading about it. AP reported at the time that Krakatoa had a volume of 40 to 70 million cubic meters and lost about 150 to 180 million million cubic meters of volume since the 2018 eruption and tsunami according to Indonesia's Center for uh, Volcanology and Geological Disaster Mitigation. So I, I think we get the point. I'm going to wrap this up here and just jump to the next big story. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, Krakatoa is famous for the 1883 eruption, where it was actually heard. Uh, I'm sorry. Whoa, whoa. It was heard 3,000 miles away. Whoa, I was wrong. This, it, the eruption was one of the deadliest and most destructive volcanic events in recorded history. And explosions were so violent they were heard uh, okay, 1,930 miles away in Perth, and uh, 3,000. Uh, oh, oh, wow. And Rodriguez near Moritas, 3,000 miles away. At least 36,417 deaths are attributed to the eruption and the tsunamis it created. We have the Plague of Locusts, but I want to read about Chernobyl. So this is just another, you know, gathering of stories. I don't know. It's Sunday. I felt like it would be fun to read these things. Now, what's going on in Chernobyl is actually really serious. This is not a sign of the apocalypse, it's just. Like, look, Krakatoa blowing up locusts and earthquakes, that'll freak people out. Chernobyl is man-made. This is a man-made disaster, and this is a real disaster. If this fire gets to the reactor, we could see some probably very awful things as radiation and radioactive particles get launched in the air. The Daily Mail says, wildfires burning through radioactive forests in the Chernobyl exclusion zone are getting ever closer to the exploded nuclear reactor firefighters, are rushing to build fire breaks around the sarcophagus covering the, the ruined plant in Ukraine amid swirling winds. There are fears that flames could reach abandoned trucks and other vehicles contaminated uh, from the disastrous 1986 explosion. An extraordinary video from firefighters, firefighter Andre Kukib, shows an emergency vehicle driving through the raging fire and smoke laying waste to the polluted dead zone. Fires have been blazing for nine days in the almost uninhabited 1,000-square-mile exclusion zone surrounding the disused plants. Check out these photos. They say it's burning through the exclusion zone. Chernobyl erupted and uh, exploded in 1986. We can see this is a uh, state agency for management of the exclusion zone has ordered in three Antonov planes and two MI-8 helicopters, which have airdropped 250 tons of water. On Tuesday, the fire covered some 87 acres having tripled in size due to strong winds, the emergency service said in a statement. There are fears of radiation in the ground unleashed by the infernos. Uh, there's, there's fears that the, the, the radiation can reach Kiev, the Ukrainian capital, and other populated areas. This could be worse if the flames reach the Chernobyl reactors. Katerina Pavlova, a senior official involved in the firefighting, said, we have been working all night digging fire breaks around the plant to protect it from fire. She told the New York Times at the moment, We cannot say the fire is contained. More than 300 people and 85 pieces of equipment have been deployed daily in the fight to extinguish the flames which come as Ukraine, one of Europe's poorest countries, is also battling against the coronavirus. We can see this photo of firefighters taking a nap sleeping. The State Agency for Management of the Exclusion Zone, which Pavlova heads, has ordered the three Antonov planes, AN-32P, and two helicopters which have airdropped more than 250 tons of water in the wildfires, Police say the blaze broke out after a man set fire to dry grass near the exclusion zone. The man was detained by Ukrainian police. Authorities rejected the warnings of the acting head of the country's state ecological inspection service, Yehov Fersov, who withdrew remarks made this week that radioactivity is higher than normal at the heart of the blaze. Initially covered up by the USSR, the 1986 explosion sent radioactive fallout across Europe exposing millions to dangerous levels of radiation. I'll tell you what, man, it's not just Ukraine that's at risk. It's Europe that's at risk. I wonder if there's going to be, you know, I, I wonder how often this stuff happens. And we really don't pay attention because I'm willing to bet it does. And I'm wondering how often this stuff does happen. And we overhype non-events, like claiming that they're actually worse than they are. There was that big thing recently, a year or two ago about the Amazon fires, and it turned out to be a normal farming season in, in the Amazon where they burn, you know, crops. They made it seem like the whole Amazon rainforest was on fire. For whatever reason, look at these photos. People are not allowed to live within 18 miles of the power station, which is some 62 miles north of Ukraine's capital city, Kiev. The three other reactors at Chernobyl continued to generate electricity until the power station fully closed in 2000. What? I did not know that. Wow. A giant protective dome was put in place over the fourth reactor in 2016. Fires occur regularly in the forest near Chernobyl, near the Chernobyl power plant. You see, there it is. You know what, man? I feel like I kind of let you down. It turns out these fires are actually normal. But once again, we're all bored. So is the world ending? Are the plagues coming for us? It doesn't seem likely. These are scary stories. You know, March 1st, we heard that China was preparing for an invasion of locusts. That's one of the biblical plagues, isn't it? I'm not not entirely convinced. I think that what we're seeing with this global pandemic is— you know, a lot of people act like it's overhyped. I don't think it is. I think they're downplaying it a little bit. I think some aspects of it are overhyped and some are are downplayed for sure. But because there's no big news cycle, if there's not people doing things, there's nothing to, there's nothing to report unless, of course, you want to report on natural events, which is what we're seeing. Fires, volcanoes, locusts. I'm not surprised locusts are going to start kicking up. I'm pretty sure there were stories about because you, we've seen it with rats. I don't know if you saw the segment we did on rats. But rats and other animals, um, probably pigeons, are coming out looking for food. Uh, Monkeys in Thailand. Because humans aren't out doing things, nothing is going on. Nature is kind of playing its course, you know what I mean? So rats in New York are coming out. Rats in New Orleans are coming out. And monkeys in Thailand are running around forming gangs and fighting for food. Locusts are probably going to get way worse because humans aren't out doing things. Opening the door for invasive species to start reclaiming territory that humans normally occupy. They say China could face a desert locust invasion. A government body warned on Monday, urging local authorities to prepare for the possible arrival of voracious insects from neighboring Pakistan and India. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Why not put up big nets, catch them all, crush them up, turn them into food? Hey, how about that? Turn Turn a negative into a positive. Now I'll tell you what, natural events like this occur probably all the time. And because humans are very human centric, we'd rather talk about Donald Trump. Let's be honest. Well, Donald Trump is doing his thing, we're still talking about him. Many other celebrities and politicians aren't. Celebrities are doing stupid things and sounding like morons. And we, I ragged on them recently trying to you know talk about something. But admittedly, the longer we're under lockdown, the less there is going on, the less there is to talk about. We're going to start highlighting things we normally don't. Maybe that'll be a good thing because you'll get some environmentalists out of it who want to protect the planet. Maybe it'll be a bad thing because we'll overhype things that normally don't matter. And then everyone will think the world is ending. Either way, there you go some end of the world stories for you. I'll see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you then.